everyone, and welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Chrissy here from CS2. Today, I'm joined by our guest, Jessica Myers. She's the Director of Marketing Ops and Technology at Patient Pop. And today, we're going to be talking about a topic that some of you might be going through. I'm sure if you clicked uh, to listen, you probably are, but it's how Mops can successfully support a merger or an acquisition. Um, Jessica is currently going through one of those right now, so we thought it would be a timely topic for her to share her experience and all of the tips and what you can do um, from an operations perspective, specifically on the MOP side. So thank you so much for joining, Jessica. Nice to have you on. Thanks for having me, Chrissy. Excited to be here um, chatting about mergers, acquisitions. I'm, as you said, living one and excited to share that with the community. Awesome. Um, I feel like too, like, uh, I don't know if it's a rite of passage or something for marketing ops folks, but if you go through one, um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people do, especially if you're in the startup space or B2B kind of tech, uh, but I've, I've definitely been through a few or have helped clients through them. So it's something that I think folks should definitely get kind of familiar with. You know, I, so prior to being in-house yeah. was... All right. So Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I was a consultant for a minute and helped a number of people on the consulting side. And uh, now being in-house, it's a different experience, <laughs> at least for me. Yeah, I can imagine that for sure. It's probably a lot nicer coming in as the consultant than maybe <laughs> be in the middle. I, I handled them on the in-house side too. So, yeah. Okay, so before we get into the topic, um, I just want to go through what we always ask our uh, guests, which is um, how they got into mops. Everyone has like a different origin story. It's definitely something that you don't really study in school or anything. So could you give us a, just some background on how you got into mops and to be a director today? Yeah, um, I have what I feel like is a unique origin story, but I think most of us who've been in this space for a little while do as well. Um, I started my career working for a really, really small startup where the entire point of the startup was to gift experiences instead of things. Um, at that startup, I worked overseeing our experience provider partners um, and through desperate technical need, got our developer to teach me SQL. Um, and so 24-year-old me was learning uh, database language and was ready to make a transition and really liked that technical aspect of my job, um, but wasn't necessarily sure I wanted to actually write code all day, every day, um, and really enjoyed the process aspect of my role and had been really recently working on a large API project. Um, found MOPS as the possibility to do something relatively technical without maybe that needing to write code all of the time. Um, and still really focus on process and things like that. Uh, consulted for a while before joining a healthcare tech uh, startup and have been there for two, just about two years now, um, overseeing the marketing technology uh, practice. Before you had the job where you learned SQL, like when you were in school or anything, did you do any, did you learn anything? Like, did you, like, did you study anything technical or were you always kind of more on the like technical side or what's your background? I was an art history and archaeology double major and I have a minor in classics. Um, so no is the short answer. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, not at all. <laughs> and uh, worked for, in an art gallery for a little while. Um, so the sequel thing was the hard pivot into, I think yeah. this is really interesting. I really like that logical flow and approach of information, but was not at all where um, undergraduate Jessica thought she was going with her life. Yeah, I think that's like a common uh, common story that we see too. I think some people maybe had gone like a finance route, or maybe some folks like you know didn't study anything related, and maybe was a BDR for a while, and enjoyed the process. Like everyone has like these different gateways to operations, um, and a lot of the time it doesn't translate. I mean, even Xander on my team was on last week, and he wanted to be an actor. And actually, it really helps him now as like a consultant. But, you know, everyone has like different paths that they took. But that's one of the things I love about MOPS is it's, um, yeah, it doesn't have this like direct linear path. And everyone um, typically has like different experiences that kind of add to their ability to what they bring to the job, which is fun to see. Okay, so just to uh, kick it off and we'll go into the topic, but um, maybe just to give a little bit of background kind of, I know you're two and a half years into your job right now, and you're currently going through, um, I think it's a acquisition, um, but maybe to give everyone a, a, some clarity around the project that you're working on, um, how did that start? When did you get involved? And then for people who are thinking about it, like where, what's like the first steps that you took, or maybe you suggest people should take in order to make the process as smooth as possible? Yeah. So I'm in the middle of a large um, merger, actually, between two healthcare tech companies. Um, the companies formally announced the merger in November, um, and are, it's an interesting project in that it is this merger, but also rebrand. Uh, so I work at PatientPop. We merged with a healthcare tech entity, Cario, um, and throughout the process of the merger, PatientPop and Cario are forming a new entire company, Tebra, um, that will essentially eventually be the parent entity and the two existing brands will become products or, you know, child entities of the new company. So it is this merger, brand combination, rebrand, all in one, um, which is really interesting. As a consultant, I'd supported a number of more traditional acquisitions where parent company comes in and says, Hi, welcome to our product portfolio. Here's our way of doing things. Um, here's our Salesforce. Here's our Marketo. Have a nice, have a nice time. And because this is this entire merger, we're not only combining technology, but we're also combining and rethinking our entire go-to-market and how we approach and all the business processes that we have, which is really unique, I think, and a really fun problem. Um, I've been involved in the project for a pretty long time. Um, you know, I, I mentioned it rolled out in November. Um, day one, uh, or day two, early on in the project, there was obviously a handful of things to support announcements and all of that sort of uh, initial excitement, but then started quickly with the first thing I did was a technology rationalization. So take inventory of all of the technology that fits in the marketing department 
um, figure out satisfaction level, usage, um, think the way people are operating, and then also like the less fun um, contract dates and renewals and all of that sort of thing to, to build a early roadmap for what I can accomplish in the short term and then what's going to take a little bit more because it's a little bit more dependent on connected technologies. When you were doing the um, like stock of your technology, like were you surprised by, well, first of all, how many of them you <laughs> had to like go through, but also was, was there a lot of steps that you had to take as far as like meeting with people to decide like which technologies were going to stay, which ones was going to keep over the other? Like how did that process look once you had just like compiled all of that information together? I think at first I was pleasantly surprised at least by the amount of overlap that the two companies that I'm bringing together had, which obviously made certain things pretty straightforward. Um, for example, both teams use the same direct mail vendor um, and the same landing page tool and you know a couple of things like that, which made those really easy. Um, beyond that, I it was definitely an involved an, an involved in multi-step process. So started with you know landscape orientation and then kind of made sure I understood key dependencies. So, you know, what mm -hmm. is integrated into the marketing automation platform or the CRM that maybe is dependent on the larger unifying of the tech stacks conversation that, that sits within marketing, but you can't merge your two, CR, two marketing automation platforms until um, you have direction around at least a unified CRM. And so kind of taking stock of that landscape um, and then started to converse with the various marketing leaders and stakeholders in terms of tell me more about how you're utilizing this tool. Where does this tool fit in the overall funnel? And what are your approaches with this tool? And also like explain your level of satisfaction or any use cases that you've wanted to accomplish in a tool like this but haven't had the ability to do so. And I think a lot of the, the teams that I got to chat with really felt like that was a beneficial part of the process is explaining a little bit more about some of their use cases and tools and technologies. Mm -hmm. Did you use any kind of like surveying or tools or anything like that to like capture all of that information or is it pretty pretty simple like G sheets and took your notes together or was there anything that helped facilitate that process? Um, I wish I had done a survey that is a great idea and would highly <laughs> recommend that for anyone moving forward. Um, I, I did some G sheet work um, and started with that as the primary use case and then we brought in a partner to help with the CRM conversation. You know mm -hmm. both companies are 500 employees and have a pretty large sales and CS workforce using the CRM. Mm -hmm. And so um, they helped also facilitate a lot of process rationalization, documentation conversations, especially on things that are connected into the CRM. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of like how it usually starts since there's so much that just is like the central place for obviously revenue information and where sales is and all of your data usually, you know, all of your tools are typically pointed towards your CRM. So 
find that that's like the biggest uh, thing to tackle. And um, a lot of companies do bring in kind of like a, a external resource or expert to start because it's just a behemoth of a project. And obviously <laughs> folks like yourself who work internally still need to keep the lights on and and everything running while still uh, contributing to the project and looking forward. Um, how, how was that process for you? Like how much of your time was spent towards or, or it still maybe is, but towards the merger, and then how are you able to then dedicate time to kind of just keeping the marketing, you know, going and helping them stay focused on the current goals? I think at this point, so we're about eight months in to merger work seven months in, and the majority of my time um, is definitely spent rational not necessarily rationalizing helping work towards aligned processes and aligned technology for the combined company um i'm really lucky in that i had been working on my 2022 roadmap when we announced the merger um but it wasn't formalized yet <laughs> and so then my high level 2022 roadmap became the merger um and so we had the ability to make sure that that was the biggest priority from an operations and technology standpoint. Um, beyond that, I have uh, a couple of team members who are definitely supporting our marketing team with kind of mm. the business as usual type of stuff from yeah. campaign operations, QA, et cetera. And we, and they're still pretty focused on BAU, but I, everything they do, at least from a business as usual standpoint, has this lens of, is this how we want this to be in the new or the new combined mm -hmm. marketing process? So as I work through campaign deployments and helping our marketing managers stand up things, um, focus on, is this the most efficient way? Are there optimizations as we combine? And we're looking at a lot of our like BAU type of initiatives are short-term BAU. So, um, we're not deploying a massive, um, multi, channel nurture program at this point, we're looking at, at things that span, you know, three to five months as the primary focus. Yeah. But I, so that's kind of like where we're at now when you first started and when the first, you know, the merge like essentially got announced, how did the teams kind of combine to start working with each other? Like, did you, was there another ops team that then merged with your own and the resources were shared or, what did the marketing team just quickly start working together or were teams still working as separate functions for a while and still figuring out a way to then communicate and work together? Uh, some of all of the above. Um, the two marketing orgs, when we combined, were actually surprisingly complementary in that one marketing org was a little heavier on demand gen type of initiatives. And one org was a little heavier on the corporate marketing. So brand, creative, and product marketing, um, which just worked out from a surprisingly complimentary aspect. Um, because marketing is at the forefront of rolling out a new brand and new brand identity, the two orgs combined, I think, much sooner than many of the other teams in the greater org. Um, and so pretty early rolled out a combined leadership structure um, across the two brands where the goals were to start learning and 
um, engaging with your counterparts and really combining the two. Um, I was unique <laughs> in that there was no ops person in the org we merged with. Um, okay. <laughs> they had open headcount that they'd had for a little while, but delayed hiring that headcount until after the merger to see where they would fit within the team I had already started to build and the skill sets of the team I already had. And so I got the opportunity to absorb that role and find the right person for what we needed. Um, but was also tasked with the challenge of I do my own or my historically side systems and process really well. And I didn't have necessarily a counterpart filling the same role that I could lean on. So I have, oh, yeah. there was a lot of like, it's starting a new job, you know, when you maybe don't you transition an ops manager out and somebody else comes in and you get to learn from what you can find and the documentation and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so there was some of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I'm sure that just added like an extra layer, but I think, yeah, a lot of mops uh, pros are kind of used to that by now. Like you enter a new job and you're just picking up the pieces where you can or trying to figure it out. So um, or maybe even from your consulting work, you know, you have to try and get up to speed with the client really quickly. So I'm sure you have the reps to, to do that. Um, as far as like the goal, so obviously it takes a lot of time to, and we'll go into kind of the tech stack and how, how you ended up approaching that, but it does take time to kind of, you know, actually get those aligned. So, um, kind of how did you like foster like everyone to still kind of collaborate with each other or get the things that they needed done in the systems like before there was a plan to kind of align them like how and was there communicated like certain timelines that they would do it um until you knew like there was a certain kind of like cutoff so i think in terms of fostering collaboration early on we did and are still doing a lot of like knowledge share or process share kind of sessions um with team members who filled uh similar functions across the two orgs and so you know walk me through how you run a webinar program from end to end mm -hmm. or walk me through what your lead to sales uh, inbound to sales funnel looks like and what are the key milestones um i think those were always approached by all of our team members with the uh, air of learning but also identifying commonalities and so seeing mm -hmm. hey this is how they're doing it that's really similar to how we're doing it here you know maybe we're saying one thing on a call but it's really just a nomenclature difference um i think that was really really helpful um relatively early on we definitely communicated to the team of for the next couple of months it's going to be not necessarily day by day but a little bit of a shifting and work in progress um mm -hmm. as we rationalize and, and figure out a, a long-term plan and i think so much of the marketing team got to be involved in some of that explain to me how you're doing things, how you're using your tools and technologies that they felt like they got brought along for a lot of that process, um, mm -hmm. which really helped. Yeah. 
And then you you talked about like the tech or technology and like when you look through the technology and saw a lot of similarities between the two and that helped kind of decide maybe which to migrate or keep and so forth. But I think for me, I'm also thinking about, and this might be one for a lot of listeners, a hard part for them too, is for each of the orgs, they probably have different ways that they, um, like you said, like the processes, but like certain things like, you know, your life cycle and the stages that they use and what your definitions are and how you even measure a report on that. And um, what were those kind of conversations like? And how do you get like the two? It's already hard getting one org to <laughs> try to get aligned on a life cycle. But um, how is that approach then for um, getting both of them to kind of combine and uh, like agree to a certain kind of way of looking at the revenue team's performance? Um, it's a work in progress. If I'm being, you know, totally honest, if we're, we're many, many months in, and it's still something that we're actively having conversations around. Um, I think from what I've seen and kind of what I'm living is it fits one of two schools of thought. It's what you adapt to one way of doing it, um, that already exists and it's fully, uh, adapt to existing process of one team or it's, start up not start over but design decide what you want it to be for the combined company going forward and we're doing more of that than what we previously did and so more of reviewing any um gaps or areas where neither team is able to report as effectively as they want right now and talking about those and identifying kind of where we want to go for the future um, at least from, you know, our revenue management process. Um, there's also, I think some of the little things like one team reports on revenue annually and one team reports on monthly revenue. And so working a lot with, um, the finance team and other core stakeholders on exactly how we want to define certain KPIs for the combined business. Mm-hmm. As you're doing that, like, do you, do you have like a certain team that you're just constantly working with and checking in on kind of, um, that has like a representative from each of those teams or as things come up, do you just pull in the people that you need to, like, how has that collaboration been facilitated? Yeah, we, um, worked through a pretty large racy matrix across the combined company and across the the two businesses that we're bringing together um, and broke it down into like core workflows um, because I think we talked about for many uh, orgs, this is going to be centered around your CRM. Um, We broke it down into a couple of like core CRM workflows and identified, Mm -hmm. you know, like the tech owner for that Mm -hmm. workflow and then business process owner and then various folks who support the business processes who also need to be you know informed or consulted and it's a pretty pretty beefy racy um and that i think really helps make sure that the appropriate stakeholders are involved in the conversation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you also have to delegate i think that's one thing is there you have to find and trust the business and technology representatives that you bring to that table to um, understand the end-to-end process and speak effectively to their core areas. 
Yeah. But yeah, and that could be, and because that could be, you know, setting yourself up for disaster if you try and like handle that yourself. And I think when, <laughs> <laughs> when you're taking into account kind of a, you know, well, one, you need those team skin in the game. One thing I've seen before too is like, let's say like a sales representative or SDR leader or something like isn't really involved. Like it just, you know, trying to get that team to adopt later or even understanding the team is going to be so much harder, especially now that you have two teams that are then merging together and like what's going to make sense for them. But getting the feedback and facilitating like the needs and the wants from those stakeholders, even if you're not going to like implement all of it, but having them understand and be a big part of that process, I think just has them be that like extra like champion for you and also the give you the feedback that you really need anyway to like architect something that's really going to be adopted and um, for those teams it's especially important because so much of that process and data capture on the sales side and merging those making sure it's all effective is one of the hardest parts um, uh, I, I think at least it takes a lot of collaboration <laughs> and <laughs> so yeah I I think there's, it's a really interesting balance of making sure that everyone is brought along for the journey, um, because I very much agree with you that you want them to have the opportunity to voice, hey, here's what I really love about our current process. Here's what I find really easy about our lead management or our you know person record management. Here's where I spend too much time in my day. Um, I think that's really, really important. But it also, there's some, there's a balance in making sure that the feedback and the way you're structuring things is also forward looking, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I think that does make sense because you can have like unproductive conversations then at that point too, when you're <laughs> making all of your kind of uh, feedback based on what's happened in the past. And it's like, well, we're not there anymore. We're trying to look forward and um, <laughs> then it becomes like counterproductive, I think. Yeah, I think there's a, a really good amount of historical context that should be transferred, um, but also a really, a lot of focus around, well, what do I want it to look like? If I was, you know, what is my ideal workflow or my ideal process or um, that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, so back to, to the technology side, um, uh, and we're actually, it's top of mind too, like with some of our clients will do tech um, auditing. And I think right now for folks who maybe have their budgets being a bit more scrutinized, they're also looking at like, how do I assess their, their technology and decide like what tools to keep and stuff like that? Like how, how, I know you look, you talked about a little bit of the getting, but was there any kind of specific criteria also that you looked at for like what tools or platforms to keep and maybe even setting priority for which ones do you even tackle? like for now until the future, like how did you like set those priorities or, or also criteria for the technology to keep? Um, priority was in some part dictated by contracting dates. Um, I think you have a little bit of a hard deadline on a handful of things. And at least by that hard deadline, you have to know how you're choosing or have an idea of how you're choosing to proceed. Um, and so that was definitely one of the first things we took into account from a prioritization standpoint. I also made a pretty long 
like uh, went through the understanding of what could I even merge when we mm -hmm. were in multiple marketing automation and CRMs because we're still very much in that space right now. Mm -hmm. And unsurprisingly, I think the list is pretty short in terms of what you can tackle when you're in two marketing automation tools. A lot of those integrations are are deep and mm -hmm. the level of complexity to potentially connect something to two systems that it might be able to often outweighs the return on investment when you learn that one of when you realize that one of those systems is going away in a year um, yeah. or 12 two years or something like that so you say all right to to go through the work to combine this tool in this other marketing automation platform I would need to invest from a team standpoint this many man hours and and what does that look like um I think was a, a big aspect of that um so level of complexity, level of integration, I think weighed heavily at budget. Team satisfaction was another one we took strongly mm -hmm. into account. Um, we had a hand, one or two tools that we were able to combine sooner, um, you know, due to our use case, they could actually point to two marketing automation platforms. And um, there were a handful where team sentiment was really strong in favor on one side and, and less strong in favor on the other. And that I think was something we factored heavily into decisions around which tool. Mm -hmm. We also, for anything that we approached combining, made sure we understood what the needs and uses were and that whatever tool we were selecting even would solve all of those needs and uses. And so we weren't willing to sacrifice functionality um, on anything that we combined. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, that all of those, I think, are really good cases. Like, even if you're not, like, doing it from a merging standpoint, but, like, I think just going back and looking at your technology, I think assessing them with your team often, too, because I think you'll get to points where, like, you look back and we're like, oh, why are we using this? And like, no one's really has a good answer or even can say what material value they're getting out. Or then you see, okay, it stops be meeting someone's needs. And then what happens is that then they just go and try and find a new tool. And then you're stuck with like two tools. So <laughs> um, for everyone who's not, you know, is actually just dealing with that just internally that like going and having those um, re constant reviews and documentation of your tech stack and even trying to kind of do those um, rough estimates like what Jessica is saying like around like the the hours it takes to maybe make a change but also maybe even to maintain too um, or um, trying to calculate an ROI on a tool too is is a nice thing to do and you can actually see um, it sometimes is you see great performance, like maybe you didn't even realize, but you're like, oh, this, this tool is actually impacting like every deal because the reps are using it or whatnot. And so you can see some of that. Um, yeah, we looked a lot, like more semi-qualitatively -quali at business disruption level too on things. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, I think our sales engagement tool is a great example. So like sales loft outreach, things like that. Yeah. Um, not necessarily 
100% in my purview, but definitely something from a connected technology standpoint that marketing plays a hand in. Um, but we have so, you know, a couple hundred sales reps and or across the two businesses at the very least. And the level of disruption, uh, something like that faces is not insignificant. Um, yeah. And so that was definitely also something we kind of put in the stack rank is what is the level of disruption in making a change at this point? And um, how much might that impact revenue if you're, you know, taking a tool offline for, for teams um, wanting to make sure that's really, really dialed? Yeah, that, that downside too, or like just getting the sales team trained on a new tool is like, I think something that uh, companies like don't quantify as much as it actually is, <laughs> um, especially for sales tools, like a uh, sales engagement platforms. It's amazing. Like we see a lot of companies flip flop and even sometimes make the decision based on like a, a sales person, a leader that comes in, that's not the right direction to go. There's other criteria you should be selecting for if it makes sense to use. Um, but yeah, that disruption I think is, is sometimes like, uh yeah not really like I think unless you're in mops or unless you're in ops and you really see the the impact of, like and think about you're used to looking at your end users and what it takes for them to adopt technology then I think it's not something that people really take as heavy as they should um I think for one thing that strikes me for the next thing I want to ask is and this is probably the hardest thing I think for some mergers or acquisitions is really just around like merging data sets together and any tools or strategies <laughs> <laughs> that you have. Um, it's pretty much, uh, I think, one of the hardest parts, but do you have any tips or, or, or strategies that you've learned throughout this process for how to potentially approach that the right way? Um, any learning lessons too? Oh, it's, it is such a challenge. Um, I empathize with anyone who's going through a merger because it's definitely been a long process. Um, for example, we've been working on identifying what we would define as a joint customer between our two businesses. Mm. And we happen to exist, work in the medical space, which has some unique uh, uniqueness to it in that a medical provider may work for multiple practices. And so they may be a joint customer with one practice, but not the other and things of that nature that present interesting challenges. Um, and that's been a, a long process. Um, <laughs> from a way we're approaching it standpoint, um, we are doing at least to start some one side of the house and the other side of the house, um, internal cleanup first. Uh, so I think duplicates is our first approach. And each team is undergoing an internal multi-step deduplication process and definition where um, we clean up our house before we invite the guests over, so to speak, <laughs> um, and work through that. And we're sharing learnings and best practices and the teams involved in building those duplicate rules uh, are shared uh, because we're going to be leveraging the same duplicate rules across both sides of the business. Mm -hmm. um, that's the first step we've, we've looked at. Um, we're evaluating a handful of 
iPaaS or integration provider as a service tools to help combine the two and have um, undergone a pretty thorough evaluation there to help actually um, do all of that connection work. Um, and that's been a fun process to be a part of as well. Yeah. When you think about like the data, because you talked about customer, is there like a certain kind of priority also that you all focused on? So from like a, a um, like definition of like the customer or how, like you mentioned how to report on revenue and look at it the right way, but was there like, did you start from like top level and then working your way down as far as in terms of getting everyone kind of in the same like data dictionary or thinking about <laughs> things the same way? Um, or how is that like prioritization or is it also just where like different teams are focused in different areas, depending on their purview. And then they come together to the group to define that. So we are working through, I think there was definitely some prioritization in terms of core priorities. And I think you raise a point that I've, I've talked about a number of times internally, how we define certain things may impact how we choose to merge or handle the data um, that I think there's a lot of downstream impacts. Um, at this point of where we're at, we're still really focused on um, getting getting the house in order. Um, mm -hmm. And so doing a lot of the making sure that data on each side of the house um, is is clean and ready to be merged. Um, and that prep work, I think, well, maybe a little less glamorous than the actual stack ranking of, you know, what's our set of pick list values for this pick list, for example, where the two might be very, very different, um, is a little less fun. It's, I think, really foundational work to yeah. ensure that we're building on something clean and reconciling across two pick lists that have 20 or 50 values is significantly easier than reconciling across pick lists that maybe um, had gotten out of control. And so that's that's kind of the focus of where we're at right now is uh, getting the data ready to do the, the big merge between the two. Yeah, I love the idea of kind of like cleaning up house. Like I think that's a great takeaway for everyone. It's like cleaning the house before you invite people over. <laughs> I love that uh, saying. I think that's a really good one. I, I think like you said, like starting with duplicates. I think also like if like just figuring out like what doesn't what's not actually being used if that hasn't been like documented yes. and using tools like a field trip or something like that to see like what's actually populated on these records first or, yeah. and then going through that with everyone. I think that's a, a really good thing to do. And and for folks listening, it's good to do whether you're going through a merger acquisition or not, like maintain the house. Uh, <laughs> it's actually uh, a good thing. Bring in the cleaner more than once a year. <laughs> <laughs> We've done a lot of work too of um, terminology alignment. So when one team says, um, lead source, uh, what does that mean? Does the other team use the same word, same vernacular? Do they use the same field? Um, at least from a marketing funnel management perspective, we've definitely done some exercises on that front, which I think in hindsight, I actually wish I had done immediately. Um, I waited a little bit longer than I should have. And I think there were conversations that we went into where 
somebody was saying a word that's also a thing. Um, mm-hmm. And there were a lot of, do you, when you say lead, do you mean capital L lead or do you mean <laughs> person? Um, and I think the entire marketing team at Tabra, where that's our combined company, is sick of me saying capital L lead, capital C contact for <laughs> the specific thing in Salesforce. But you don't necessarily recognize your own vernacular when it comes to tools and technology that may be really impacting somebody else's ability to understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is a big takeaway for myself that if I go through this again, um, I'm going to make like a vocabulary guide for both teams of when they when when I say this. I could, I mean this <laughs> or, or that sort of thing. Um, but when I say lead, I don't necessarily mean only lead. I mean person and trying to pay attention to my own terminology usage and try and use agnostic words when I'm talking about agnostic business processes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good that's a good point. I think one thing too is like it, it kind of even just happens in our space, like uh, in general. But uh, people say like attribution. It's like, well, what kind of attribution are you talking about? Are you talking about like simple, like source level attribution? Are you talking about multi touch attribution? All that kind of stuff. So I love that idea of like having a dictionary um or even like a a data kind of guide like when we say this it it means this (laughs) i think i think companies like could just value from that just for sales and marketing talking to each other or like it's you know csm team then coming to that team so it's like a revenue revenue team cheat sheet or something (laughs) i've definitely as we've gotten more in the weeds on the process started to call myself out and say, Hey, when I'm saying this, or when I, when I hear you say that, this is what I'm hearing. Is that correct? Um, to stakeholders I'm talking to. And I think that's been really beneficial. And because there's definitely been a couple of times where I was hearing one thing and then I asked my question and they were like, Oh no, that's not what I mean. I actually mean this. And I'm very glad that I didn't solution based on what I was internalizing based on my own history and ask the stakeholder to clarify for me. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that's a challenge that people probably <laughs> would it would uh, go into. I think uh, we only have like a minute left, but the last thing <laughs> I want to end with is, um, and we, you can answer this, whether it's like more challenges that folks might need to plan for, or even like what you maybe even are like things that people do wrong. It's hard to say, cause you're going through this now, but like, what do you think are some challenges or uh, things that you could actually plan for or prevent a challenge from happening that you don't typically plan for? I think there is this with a merger specifically or an acquisition, there's often this chicken and egg um, tech versus strategy. It's hard to do one without having the other there um, that is really tough to solve for, right? You want to have a combined strategy, but when you're operating in disparate pieces of technology, that's hard to plan for. And then you want to have 
combined technology, but both teams have different strategies or, or multiple teams have different strategies or processes. And I think what I would leave, I guess, plan for, don't let one dictate the other um, mm. and really think about the two connected. Um, it's an opportunity to revamp. And mm -hmm. I think make sure that you're not getting, you can make progress on both at the same time. It just takes balancing um, the needs of both at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like more often than not that you would see that the companies would try and then come together to compromise or define a strategy and then decide on the technology? I, I know you're saying don't try and force one over the other, but if you, if the, it was a tricky one for folks, like where do you think they should start first more of the strategy side? Yes. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Um, I think that marketing tech specifically, there's so much great marketing tech out there. And I think that's a reason yeah. why a lot of people to kind of some of our points around a lot of this is beneficial, even if you are going through a merger, maybe you have too much tech or things like that. But there's so much great and really awesome technology out there. Um, but all technology is only going to be as powerful as the like process and strategy that's driving it. Mm -hmm. And so I think having an understanding of the capabilities of your technology is really important from a strategy standpoint. Mm -hmm. But more so understanding the strategy, the business process, and those sorts of things will help you select and shape the technology to support versus getting hampered into or hammer stuck in strategy because that's the technology that you have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely that's strategy cool. first <laughs> if you have to pick one. But I think there's a, the opportunity to work on the two together for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, I think that, I mean, kudos to you going through this big project. It's so much work and it sounds like you, I mean, I've been taking all the steps I think are probably super successful. So I hope everyone enjoyed all of the learnings that you're able to uh, bring us today. We'll have to do like a check-in, like after <laughs> things like merge and see how things went and share additional <laughs> learnings. But um, thanks so much for being on the podcast, Jessica. All right, this um, time next year, we'll be fully merged and we can talk. Yeah. <laughs> where can people find more of you or, or learn more from you? Um, where should they, what should they check out? Your LinkedIn or any other, anywhere else? Um, I think my LinkedIn is a great place to stay um, connected and learn more from what I'm learning going through this big merger. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll link out to Jessica's LinkedIn profile, so definitely go um, follow her there. And if you enjoyed this episode of Forward Thinking Podcast, feel free to share it with your colleagues or friends or leave a review. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time on Forward Thinking. Have a good one.